0: start with some thanks and praise really. Um, we're encouraged to give thanks and praise to God always, whether it's we're in a good place, whether we're in a difficult place. Um, sometimes it's helpful to remember the details of why we're praising, um, what we're thanking God for, especially if we aren't feeling particularly thankful and it's been a difficult week life's emotional Um, and I want you to start with thinking about the Holy Spirit Um, we were told to praise in truth and in spirit so without the Holy Spirit, surely we cannot truly worship the Holy Spirit is an advocate to help us and be with us forever, the spirit of truth he lives in us and with us he's jesus's gift to us he's the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and fear of the lord the holy spirit teaches us all things and reminds us of everything jesus said the spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what we ought to pray for The Spirit himself intercedes for us. Through the Holy Spirit we can experience the love, joy and peace of God. And through him we receive power to be witnesses to the end of the earth. We're going to sing Holy Spirit from before the dawn of time. Romans 8 says this. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Isaiah 9 talked about Jesus being wonderful counsellor, almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John reminded us, this is what he promised us, eternal life. He's the author and finisher of our faith, our good shepherd, the first and the last, lamb of God, Emmanuel, the cornerstone, the creator, our deliverer, holy one of God, king of kings, light of the world, the bread of life, our mediator and messenger, prince of life, prince of peace, our rock, the word of God, Son of the highest, the true vine and the true light. Let's thank Jesus for what he's done. Do stand. Praise God the Father. The Bible said, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous can run to it and be saved. God is fully trustworthy, always powerful, forever loving, and constantly present with us. He is the God of miracles. Nothing, nothing is impossible for him. He provided a way for us to be saved through his son Jesus. And he gave us his spirit to help us. His love is everlasting. The one and only God. The most high who reigns supreme. All powerful, mighty one. Our provider, our protector, leader and deliverer. He is a God who heals us. The Lord of peace. He's the God who sees us. Abba Father. Going to sing. Our God is a great big God. (coughs) Do stand. Stay standing. One last thing. Then we're going to sing two more songs. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have done, are doing and will do for us. Thank you for your unchanging love for us. You loved us even when we didn't love you back. Thank you and praise you God that you are all-powerful, all-creative, all-knowing, able to do anything and yet, you'll never let us go. You provide for us. You forgive us. And you have made us your children. also pray for our children in our church now. As they leave this room to go to their groups. I pray that you will bless them and teach them. And fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Children, you can now go. (laughs)
1: you in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are great in power, great in glory, great in mercy, King of heaven, sovereign over this world and our lives. Enable us to lift our eyes to you and focus on who you are to be open to the influencing and prompting of your Holy Spirit. Help us not to listen to voices in the world that would turn us away from you, but instead to focus on your word, your way, your calling on our lives. And we pause for a moment to confess in quietness times when other voices have drowned out or overridden your voice to us this week. Help us to learn from what's happened, so that when we face similar situations again we'll know how to focus on your guidance and leading instead of going our own way or doing our own thing. And thank you for times this week when you've given us courage to follow your lead. Help us to grow in our faith so that it becomes more natural to us to go your way and not ours. And Heavenly Father, we rejoice that in a week's time we'll be celebrating the coronation of King Charles III. And we pray for him as he prepares for this moment. Fill him with your wisdom, enable him to reign with integrity and righteously. Help him to hear your voice guiding him so that he can lead us with wisdom. Thank you for his readiness to model himself on your son Jesus as he declares that he comes not to be served but to serve us all. So give him courage and an awareness of your presence with him and of your grace upon him. And we pray for the service at Westminster Abbey that it would be an opportunity for the world to see who you are through the words and readings and hymns and prayers We pray for your safety and protection during the ceremony and the celebrations around the country and for your blessing as we come together to celebrate this coronation. And as we welcome Charles' reign, we we continue to remember with joy the service and dedication of Queen Elizabeth II, who walked in your paths all her life. May her son do the same, we pray. And as we look around our world we see so many leaders and rulers who do not follow your way and we pray that you would show yourself clearly and speak clearly to those in power. Remind them that they are subject to you. And we lift places on our heart because they are places of conflict and pain to you. Sudan, Ukraine, Yemen and so many other war-torn areas which no longer feature in the news. Lord would you raise up people of courage to be peacemakers who will negotiate ceasefires, bring about peace instead of violence and we pray for those still trapped in Sudan. Protect those seeking to escape the country. And we ask that safe and legal routes would be opened up for people seeking asylum for Sudan in our own land. And we pray for our government, asking that our ministers would be people of integrity. That they would be given and listened to wisdom. We pray for the refugees who have been settled in the Siswood House Hotel, that they would find this area to be a place of safety for them and for the community of Lower Bealing that they'd be open to your spirit prompting them to offer welcome and support to strangers who've been brought into their midst. We thank you for our food bank and other support agencies and, and pray that they'd be a lifeline to those who just can't make ends meet anymore. We pray that you would open doors of hope and ways forward for those who are in despair. We pray for NHS workers, teachers, under immense pressure. Praying for a, a negotiated end to the strikes and the unsettling situations. And help us as individuals and as a church to seek your wisdom that we might be available to help others in our community and we pray for those who are in particular need of your comfort and sustaining love right now those who are ill those who do not see the light of gladness those who are confused or anxious or depressed. Give them peace, a knowledge of your love, a glimpse of your joy and show us how to be a help, a comfort and support to those in need. And as we stand on the threshold of a, a month that seems to be full of bank holidays, Pray that you'd give us space and time to be able to rest and enjoy them. To appreciate all the beauty of springtime with warmer days and spring flowers and time with family and friends. Help us to make the most of time away from work so that we can be refreshed. And remember those who will be working across these holiday breaks, that they will have other opportunities to be renewed and restored. And as we go into this week, Lord, go before us, lead us, prepare the way ahead of us. Whether life is very normal or full of surprises and unexpected moments, help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to keep our ears open to your guiding and prompting. For we ask these things in your most precious name. Amen.
0: We've got a Bible reading now. Um, it's taken from 2 Corinthians 7 to verse seven. "Make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I've said before that you have such a place in our hearts. That we would live or die with you. I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Um, just before Tim's a... a about to speak to us, I was just thinking about this, um, and thinking about encouragement. The, the fact that just Titus's presence was an encouragement. Um, and I was thinking about uh, how we encourage each other. Uh, looking at, look at the person sitting next to you. What do they do for this church? What do they need from this church? Do you ever thank them for it do you ever encourage them for it you know it's easy to take each other for granted isn't it, um, it it's easier to thank somebody who's standing up in front of you I you very much but I don't, I don't know I, I forget to thank those people who've been looking after the kids um, beautiful flowers um, the people at the back without them you wouldn't be able to read the words We'd have to have six books in order to fumble through to get all the all the words. We, we wouldn't be able to hear each other very well, you know. And how often do we thank each other, encourage each other for this? Um, not as often as, as I would like to think I do. Um, how often do we encourage each other with with Bible? Quotes or, or just going around and seeing each other for a cup of coffee. How often do we do that? Those people that we know um, don't see many people during the week. How often do we make an effort to go and see them and say hello and have a cup of tea? Um, how much do we love each other? Um, just want to sing one more song before Tim comes to speak to us. Um, a new commandment I would give unto you that you love one another as I've loved you.
1: for blessing us in leading worship. Relief is that sense of happiness you get when something unpleasant has ended, like you can't hear what the person at the front is saying. That's good. I can hear now. Such a relief, you say. And after periods of intense anxiety, it's not at all unusual for people to have a sense of euphoria. And what we see in the passage that Anita read to us a moment ago is is Paul's immense relief when his relationship with the church in Corinth got back on track again. They had a major falling out. Paul's last visit to them had been a disaster, with the church falling into line behind one of their own who had publicly humiliated Paul. It really looked as if they'd reached the end of the road. The church were on the verge of disowning Paul and throwing their weight behind the Jewish leaders who turned up from Jerusalem. And were discrediting paul and his gospel and his ministry paul was so upset he'd written a, a letter to the church pouring out his grief and his anger and his pain and he'd sent his colleague titus to see whether anything could be salvaged from the wreckage of their relationship and while he was waiting for titus to bring him news remember this was in the pre-email age Titus had to come physically to find Paul where he was. Paul says he was completely stressed out. He was deeply troubled. Everything seemed to be working against him. His mind was filled with anxiety. But when Titus came, he brought good news. The people in Corinth had had a change of heart. They were longing to put things right with Paul. They were devastated by how much they'd upset him. They were desperately concerned for his well-being. And whereas at one point it had looked as if they were turning their backs on him, now they were opening their hearts to him once more. And that was such a relief to Paul. And we catch a glimpse of that emotion of relief in the passage that we read. Churches, eh? Such a source of heartache and of joy. You take a bunch of sinful, broken, damaged, hurting people, and you mix them up all together with the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and what do you get? A mess. But a mess out of which the glory of God shines, as people's lives are redeemed, and transformed, and rebuilt, and healed. And if God is at work, it's never neat and tidy. Sometimes the chaos of other people's lives spills over and causes a lot of harm. And that's why forgiveness between members of the body of Christ is so important. Because we are, all of us, a work in progress. And in this part of 2 Corinthians, we catch a glimpse of just how much pain and joy can come from being part of God's church. And having at one point despaired of his relationship with him, you can see just how positive Paul felt about the church in chapter 7, verse 4, as he describes his feelings towards them now. I have such great confidence in you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so encouraged by you. Even in the midst of all my troubles and difficulties, you fill me with joy. Amen. Is Paul looking through the church, looking at the church through rose-tinted spectacles at the moment? Might appear that way, but I'm not so sure. After all, he knows all too well just what they're really like. But he is looking at them through the eyes of love. That makes a world of difference. He's not looking at them to find fault, to see how they measure or fail to measure up to a certain standard. Seeing them through the eyes of love, that's what enables Paul to have confidence in them, to be proud of them, to be encouraged by them, to find joy through them despite all their shortcomings. Because love does not demand perfection, a perfection that we can never achieve. Love does not leave us with a sense of failure and inadequacy. Love embraces us in our brokenness and our failure and rejoices in every little thing we get right simply because love values and treasures us that much. And because God is love, that's how God looks at you. And church? Well, church is God's family where that love is shared between us. Church is? Well, it should be. And by the grace of God it can be a place of acceptance and forgiveness and nurture and encouragement and renewing and and you'll look in vain at our weekly programme for any events with those qualities in the title you won't find them but those qualities are expressed not so much in what we do but how we do it together whatever we do God invites us to encourage each other to be the best that we can. Church is the place where someone who is downcast or struggling will find another person who will come alongside with a sympathetic ear. Someone who will honour them by making time to listen with understanding and compassion and to be a channel of God's comfort into their lives. Did you notice the chain of cause and effect in chapter 7, verses 6 to 7? Paul talks about God being a God who comforts the downcast. And Paul says that he was comforted by the arrival of Titus. And Titus brought him comfort because Titus himself had been comforted by the people in Corinth. God comforting Titus through the church in Corinth. God comforting Paul through the arrival of Titus. The NIV talks about comfort here. The new revised standard version. Talks about consolation. The new English translation. Talks about encouragement. It's God who encourages the downhearted. Paul was encouraged by the arrival of Titus. And Titus's arrival encouraged Paul. Because Titus had been encouraged. By the church in Corinth. Church. Should be a place. Where God comforts and encourages, and strengthens, and builds up. And together we are all the people he works through to bring that about. When you comfort someone, it's God working through you to comfort them. When you encourage someone, it's God working through you to encourage them. And it is as we actively seek each other's well-being in the ordinary everyday activities we do together that God works in his church to make it a place where people's lives, including our own, are transformed. And it's not the case that the few of us who've got it all together can be supporting those of you who don't quite come up to the mark. We are all of us in the same boat. We are all, without exception, part of the same messy mixture of hurt and failure and grief and pain, mingled with the love and the grace and the mercy and the power of God. That's what church is. It's how it works. And the crucial thing to recognise is that this is all about the grace of Christ. The grace which welcomes us and accepts us in our brokenness and need. And the grace of Christ which means that you, you have something worthwhile to give. You have gifts to contribute to the well-being of the church. You have a part to play in the fulfilment of God's purposes. You can be part of God's amazing plan. And how wonderful that is. Because in the body of Christ, you are not defined by your needs. You are defined by the grace of God, which works in you and which works through you to bring God's comfort and encouragement into the lives of others. And it works because this is how God made us. We are social beings. We are better for good connections with each other. It's the way we're wired. Recent research from the Ohio State University has shown that one of the best ways of tackling depression or anxiety is to do something good for another person. Performing acts of kindness enables people to feel more connected to others, And social connection is one of the ingredients of life most closely associated with well-being. So yes, there are all the other things as well. But actually to say, it's not all just about me. I'm going to break out of my own closed circle of introspection and depression and do something for somebody else. Being a blessing to somebody else brings a blessing into your own life as well. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says. God's grace brings us healing even as we share that grace with someone else in a host of different ways. It's God's design. And as church we're called to model that in practice and show how it works to the rest of the world. And it's because good interpersonal relationships are so integral to our well-being that the disruption of Paul's relationship with the church in Corinth sent him plummeting into the depths of despair. And it was the renewal of that relationship that played a crucial part in lifting him back up again. And today, in the family of God, which is the local church here in Brighton Road and in countless other places throughout the country, God calls, equips, inspires and enables us to serve each other, to seek each other's well-being, to comfort each other, to encourage each other. And we all have different skills and gifts. We all contribute something that is unique to us because God has fashioned each of us in a unique way. Each of us has a part to play that nobody else can quite do. Those of us with the soft skills of communication, we can listen and empathise and build each other up through conversation. Those of us with practical skills can build others up by serving and working alongside them and helping them in a host of practical ways. Those of us with time can make ourselves available to others. Whatever it is that you've got, God's grace motivates and enables you to share who you are and what you have with those around you to encourage and build up and comfort those you meet in the course of the week. Be generous to each other with your time and with your gifts and with your love as God has been generous to you. In our Listening to God prayer meeting on Friday this week we were reflecting on Jesus' words in John 5. Jesus says, my father's working all the time That's why I'm working too, even on the Sabbath, which didn't please the religious leaders who accused him of Sabbath breaking. God never stops working. Neither did Jesus. God never stops working. And yet so often when we pray, we ask God to do something. What are we asking him when we ask him to do something? Are we implying that he's not? at work already? Are we asking him to stop relaxing and enjoying our worship songs and get busy God, do something useful? Or are we asking him to move our own particular request to the top of his to-do list? Surely part of prayer is if God is already at work, our part is to ask, Lord you are working already, what do you want me to do alongside you here? What's my place in fulfilling your plans and purposes? How do you want to use me? Prayer is about placing ourselves at God's disposal with a readiness to take whatever opportunity to serve might come our way. Church is not about asking God to do something in our midst. It's about ready, being ready and available for God to work through us to do what he wants to do. In our midst. And if we do that, if we all do that, then the church becomes a powerhouse of altruism as people are built up and comforted and encouraged by the kindness they are shown by others and by the very act of showing kindness themselves. And that spills out of our church, commu- church into the community we live in as well because there is more than enough of God's grace to go around. When the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to God, he gives us more grace than any of us can possibly contain. And when we open our hearts to each other, then that grace flows between us, transforming all of our lives. And when that happens, church is just the most amazing place on earth. One of those places where heaven breaks into our world. Church can be like that. You'll have experienced that at times. But equally, do keep a special eye out for that person who's got nothing to give at the moment, who's just burnt out, who, like Paul in Macedonia, is stressed and anxious because the world is just piling in on top of them. None of us is exempt from such an experience. We can all find ourselves in a very dark place sometimes. But if you're there, God knows you're there, God knows how you feel. And just as Titus lifted Paul's spirits in Macedonia, God will send someone your way to comfort, console and encourage you. And what's the basis of my confidence? It's because the church sits in the floodplain of God's grace. And when God pours out his spirit, he brings his life to everyone. And that includes you, whoever you are, whatever you're going through. So don't worry. God will never turn his back on you. You are on his heart. He knows exactly how you feel and relief is on its way. But in the meantime, may the God of consolation, comfort and encouragement hold you in his grace. (coughs) Lord, by your Spirit, would you open our hearts wider to you and to each other and flood our lives with your love and with your Holy Spirit of grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: I just want to give you time to have a think about um, what Tim's just said. Um, me and my ladies are going to sing a song now. Um, it's, a, it's a new one, it's called Lord of the Church. Um, and I just just keep sitting, um, read the words, have a think about what what Tim has said, and just have this as a bit of quiet time. <clears throat> Salvation belongs to the Lord, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever. May the grace grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit